0: you got the bus And now shining the spotlight on the future of hockey the world juniors Josh Rawolf walks
1: in the
2: Major Junior. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Campbell's Blazers. Hey, it's Matt Potcher from the Guelph Storm. This is Akhler LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. That's Igoche. I play for the Quebec Ramparts. Hey guys, this is Ty Nelson from the North Bay Battalion, and this is the Pipeline Chill.
0: NCAA.
2: This is Ryan McAllister for the Western Michigan Broncos. This is Wyatt Kaiser from Minnesota Toulouse. This is Brock Faber from the University of
0: Minnesota. The NHL Draft. This is Adam Fantilli of the
2: University of Michigan. This is Ryan Leonard. I play for Team USA. I'm Nate Danielson of the Brandon v Kings. My name is Adam Giam. I'm playing for people off field. Hi, I'm Grayson Sochin I'm with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, this is Jacob Fowler, goaltender for the Youngstown Phantoms. I'm Connor Bedard for the Regina Pats and
0: this is the Pipeline Show. And more. Bring This is the Pipeline Show. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming. That is me. I'm glad to have you uh, stop by, whether you're listening at EdmontonSportsTalk.com or if you've downloaded this week's episode, whether it was through uh, Spotify or Apple or however you get your podcast from, I'm just glad that we're able to spend a little bit of time together. The program is, of course, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. You can get it in three Edmonton and area locations. That would be Leduc, Spruce Grove, West Edmonton Mall, or you can go to their website at wilhockbeefjerky.com. Place an order online, any order, any size, anywhere. In Western Canada, they will ship it to you. Because you can't win friends with salad, your taste buds will thank me. Let them know the Pipeline Show sent you. That's at Wilhock Beef Jerky. This opening segment probably going to be pretty brief because i don't know if you can tell right now but my voice is shot i was able to do a couple of interviews this week so i do have two guests that will be coming up uh, later in the episode and i will tell you who they are momentarily but let's get to some news and notes so first off i i should clarify and say i've got covid right now i've been sick for like three weeks and i tested about two weeks ago and was cleared wasn't covid so just assumed it was like bronchitis or something like that and uh, went and got some antibiotics started feeling better and then it didn't start feeling better and my son got sick and we tested him and he had COVID so then we retested me and sure enough COVID so haven't been feeling uh, very well for uh, a while now and I won't be at Oil Kings games this weekend unfortunately which uh, I'm actually really bummed about not being able to be there on Friday it's Andrew Peard's last game as the voice of the Oil Kings He's uh, moving up within uh, the Oilers Entertainment Group and uh, taking on a role in uh, communications with the Edmonton Oilers. So working for the NHL club, you can understand why he won't finish out the year with the uh, Oil Kings. Taking his spot will be Dave Dawson, who's got lots of broadcasting uh, background. Uh, I have not worked a game with him. In fact, I've only met him once. Seems like a really nice guy, though. Looking forward to uh, sharing the booth with him. But we'll uh, miss, obviously, the partnership with Andrew Peart. Let's get to the CHL news and notes. Players of the month in the CHL, uh, Jagger Furcus, who had 25 points. uh, Gavin McKenna, Jagger Furcus plays for the Moose Jaw Warriors. Gavin McKenna of the Medicine Hat Tigers had 29 points in uh, just 12 games. And Oshawa Generals forward Cal Ritchie, who, remember, he didn't even start. I think he was out for the first five or six weeks of the season. Uh, He's now leading the Generals in scoring. Just in January, he had 26 points in 13 games. So those are the three forwards of the month in the CHL. The two defensemen, both out of the O, Oliver Bonk and Zane Parek. Bonk had 24 points, excuse me, 21 points with the London Knights, and uh, Parek had 21 points in 11 games with the Saginaw Spirit. And uh, the goaltender of the month is uh, Chase Buttsky from the Red Deer Rebels, who was absolutely on fire. The Rebels have been playing some really good hockey climbing up the standings, largely because of solid net mining. He went 8-0-1 in uh, January with a 198 goals against and a nine twenty nine save percentage. That was Chase Woodski. Top 10 in the CHL coming into this weekend's play. Uh, Baicamo regains the number one spot. Saskatoon drops to number two. The London Knights are in the three-hole, followed by Prince George, Saginaw, Drummondville, Everett, Kitchener, Portland, and the Rowan Miranda Huskies hanging around in the number 10 spot. Often what we do in this opening segment is look at the scoring races. How about this week we look at uh, sort of the playoff races to get into the playoffs, starting in the Western Hockey League, in the uh, Western Conference, sitting in the 8th position, holding down that final spot, the Spokane Chiefs, they are 5 points back of 7th. But only one point ahead of the Tri-City Americans who are in ninth. And the Seattle Thunderbirds hanging around. They have 34 points. Kamloops is in last place in the league with 31 points. Seattle has 34. Did I say 31? Not sure. Brain fog. But the Chiefs are right now in control of that eighth and final playoff spot. They've got three games in hand on the Tri-City Americans who are one point back. So still lots of hockey still to be played. A couple of months. Well, a month and a half of hockey still to go. It's not like either one of those teams is exactly ripping it up right now, uh, but should be a, a good race right down to the wire. Uh, same in the Eastern Conference, I would think. Currently, it's the Prince Albert Raiders in eighth with 46 points, but the Calgary Hitmen right on their heels with 45 and have four games in hand. So by winning percentage, it's actually not really that close. Calgary with a 5'11", and Prince Albert with a 4'79". But you got to win those games if you're Calgary. And they've been playing good hockey. They've got a uh, doubleheader against the Oil Kings this weekend and have dominated against Edmonton this year. So the schedule is setting up well for them, except it's three games in three days with a stop in Lethbridge in between. Really weird schedule for uh, Calgary to deal with this weekend, but they're playing some pretty good hockey. The other teams who are outside of the playoff picture in the east would be Regina and Edmonton. Regina right now six points back of Prince Albert, and uh, the Oil Kings have uh, fallen. They're now 12 points back uh, from Prince Albert. They won a very important head-to-head game against the Raiders, but have not been able to make up any ground, having uh, just won three of their last ten games. So an important weekend for them coming up. Sliding over to the Ontario Hockey League in the east, the eighth seed would be the Barry Colts with 38 points, but Peterborough is right on their hip pocket with 37 Both of those teams are chasing Kingston, who are in 7th, with 43 points. Niagara is the last place team in the Eastern Conference, with 31. All of those teams basically played the same amount of games. Kingston and Barry actually have played 44. Peterborough and Niagara have 46. So a couple of games in hand for the teams in 7th and 8th right now. It seems like teams going in opposite directions. Peterborough has only won one of their last 10, so they've slid a lot. Um, also news out of the OHL this week, the Mississauga Steelheads moving to Brampton for next year. Brampton has had a team in the past. They were the battalion before they moved to North Bay. Still the battalion in North Bay. For whatever reason, OHL hockey in the GTA just does not seem to work in terms of getting fans out. Because a bit surprising considering the population. Uh, Meanwhile, in the OHL's Western Conference, the 8th place team would be the Flint Firebirds, who are 7 back of the Erie Otters, who are in 7th place. So the battle looks more like it's between Flint and Sarnia for that last playoff spot. Flint has played 45 games and have a 2-point lead over the Sarnia Sting, who are in ninth right now. The Windsor Spitfires with 32 points, probably on the outside looking in this year. They've been the bottom team for most of the year, so that shouldn't come as a surprise. Some of the better races in the uh, CHL are at the top end of uh, the OHL conferences, though. you got London, the Sioux Greyhounds, and the Saginaw Spirit. And don't forget about the Kitchener Rangers. They're all within five points of each other at the top of the Western Conference. And very similar in the East with uh, Sudbury, Brantford, North Bay, and Oshawa all separated right now by just three points. In the queue, the only team you can pretty much take out of the uh, the race now would be the Valdor Forer, as they have uh, just twenty nine points, twelve victories to their name this season. They are nine points back of uh, the next closest team, and it's an eighteen team league, so only two teams miss out. There are three clubs tied with thirty eight points. That would be Gatineau, Saint John, and the Quebec Rampart. The defending Memorial Cup champs might miss the playoffs this year. Not unheard of, obviously. Bacomo really looks like the class of the queue. Right now they've got a, a nine-point lead over everybody else. They've been really strong all season long. Reminds me a little of the Ottawa 67s last year. They were just the, the team to beat from wire to wire in the OHL and then didn't get there when it came down to the playoffs. We'll see if Bacomo suffers the same fate. Going to skip the AJHL and the BCHL for now, uh, and I'll tell you why coming up. Uh, Going to the USHL standings, you have two conferences with eight teams. The top six all make the playoffs. Doesn't look good for Omaha as they are way behind the pack in the Western Conference. And the National Development Program not having a great year in the USHL standings either, sitting in last place in the Eastern Conference. But tight races for that last spot. Chicago and Cedar Rapids, uh, both with 34 points in the East. And in the West, it's Lincoln and Des Moines with uh, 32 and 30 points respectively. And in the USHL, more than any other league I can think of, just getting into the playoffs is what matters because they have such short playoffs, like best of threes, that anything can happen. Uh, Far and away, the best team in the USHL this year appears to be the Fargo Force. 11-point lead over Dubuque, and they're not in the same conference. They have a 14-point lead atop the Western Conference do the Fargo Force, just a juggernaut this year. In the North American Hockey League, the Central Division, the St. Cloud Norsemen are the fourth-place team. Austin is trying to catch them, but there's a four-point gap between them, although the Bruins do have a game in hand. The East Division, I actually have to look this up to see if they've changed their playoff structure at all this year because they've got nine teams now in the East Division. would seem weird for only four of them to make the playoffs, but I'll have to look that up. Assuming for a second it is just the top four, well, Johnstown is the fourth-place team with the Northeast Generals trying to track them down. Two wins separating them, but Johnstown has three games in hand. Another very full division, the Midwest Division, with eight teams. It's a uh, two-way tie with Anchorage and Minnesota for third and fourth, with the Chippewa Steel in fifth place with uh, five points back. They have 43 points, but they do have a couple of games in hand, at least on Minnesota. Anchorage has played six fewer games than the Minnesota Wilderness. So a huge advantage there in the standings, despite the tie with points. But, like I said before, you got to win those games. And in the Southwest Division, the Amarillo Wranglers, they're hot right now. They've won seven of their last nine. Make that ten, seven of their last ten. And that's helped them uh, get up into the fourth spot. And there's a bit of a cushion there, actually. The top four in the South, Lone Star, Shreveport, El Paso, and Amarillo. Lone Star's got a big lead at the top. And then it's Shreveport, El Paso, and Amarillo with uh, 54, 54, and 53 points. And then it falls all the way down to 45 points for New Mexico. So definite separation there in that division. And we'll end the news and notes with a, a look at the CH- USCHO's top 20 poll for men's Division One college hockey. After sweeping Boston University last weekend, Boston College, now the new number one coming into this weekend's play, North Dakota is now number two, while BU falls to three. Wisconsin and Denver are four and five, and the rest of the top ten goes Maine, Quinnipiac, Michigan State, Minnesota, and Providence. All my guests join me courtesy of the Troubled Monk Hotline. You can go to the taproom in Red Deer, where you can enjoy some uh, food or beverages right at the taproom. Got a nice little setup there. You can also pick up orders that you placed online at the taproom. To do that, you go to troubledmonk.com shop. See what they have in inventory right now as it changes frequently. Follow the instructions on how to place an order online and where you can pick it up in Alberta. Of course, you can go to any Alberta liquor store. And if they don't have the Troubled Monk product that you want, ask them to bring it in because it's available to them. It's craft beverages worth sharing because it's not just beer. You can get hard iced tea. That would be the Troubled tea collection of spirits. You can get soda as well at your local grocery store. Lots to pick from at Troubled Monk. Okay, as I mentioned, we have two guests for you this week. We're going to start with a 2024 draft spotlight segment. Player who is considered to be one of, depending on who you ask, potentially the best defenseman available in the class of 2024. Plays for the Calgary Hitmen, that talking about Carter Yakumchuk who's a really impressive defenseman, like him a lot as a hockey player. So we'll start the program with uh, his draft spotlight. And the second guest this week is uh, Michael Menzies, who was going to be on last week to talk about the AGHL and BCHL stuff, but there was so much going on. Well, it we, looks like we finally got a little bit of clarity on the situation. With the breaking news from yesterday, in fact, if you looked at the BCHL's website right now, you'd see that, those five AJHL teams are now listed on the BCHL's website, including games that begin tonight. Michael Menzies, the voice of the Bonneville Pontiacs and reporter in Bonneville, will bring you up to speed on everything that's happening. But we'll start with a 2024 draft spotlight with Carter Yakumchuk of the Calgary Hitmen. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show. Brought to you by Wilhock Beef Beef Jerky. <laughs>
2: This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the countless Blazers.
0: The Blazers Stankoven, left wing, trying to work around Dory, and uh, Stankoven is shooting, From his knees, Stankoven goes top cheese.
2: And this is the Pipeline kill. Buddy, want to come over and watch the game? I'll make a big salad. Uh, I don't know, man.
1: Steve, come over and watch the game. I've got a massive salad here.
0: Yeah, my wife needs me to go shopping with her.
1: Mike, want to watch the game and eat salad with me?
0: Who is this?
1: Did I mention I've got a bunch of Will Hawk beef jerky too?
0: I'll be right over. I'm heading over now.
1: I'm already at your front door.
0: Will Hawk beef jerky, because you don't win friends with salad. Will Hawk is the home of Alberta's best beef jerky in Leduc, Spruce Grove, and West Edmonton Mall. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. We're back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and we're going to turn on the 2024 draft spotlight and get to know another player that's uh, eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. Of course, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Turkey, which is Alberta's best beef turkey. You can get it in three Edmonton and area locations or get it online from their website at wilhockbeefjerky.com. My guest this week is, uh, well, one of the top-ranked defensemen available in the entire class of 2024, plays for the Calgary Hitmen, and that obviously means I'm speaking with Carter Yakumchuk. Uh, Carter, welcome to the program. How are things?
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Everything's everything's going well.
0: Well, you and the team both playing uh, really well. Busy weekend coming up, uh, two games against the Edmonton Oil Kings with a, a game against Lethbridge sandwiched in between we can talk about that in a second but uh, the uh what's the atmosphere in the in the dressing room right right now for the the hitman holding down the eighth and final playoff spot right now but certainly an opportunity to move up uh, i have to think uh things are pretty positive right now
2: yeah i think uh i think our room's really positive right now um every everyone knows what's at stake here in the next uh the next little stretch and you know we all got one one goal in line that's making the playoffs. so the next next couple of weeks here everyone's gonna really lock in
0: and for yourself uh, this season uh, i have to think you're pretty happy with the way things have gone on a uh, personal basis so you got lots of points 47 points in 42 games including 20 goals uh and uh, ranked as highly as you are i mean could you have scripted a better season for yourself yeah i'm uh i'm
2: really fortunate the year's been the year's been going really well for myself so i'm, I'm really proud about that and yeah i mean if I look back to the start of the year, I I, don't, I wouldn't think it would be going as well as it is. So I'm I'm really happy with the the way the season's going so far.
0: Has your defensive partner been the same guy for most of the season? I know there's been roster changes throughout the year, but uh, who are you playing with right now? And and how long have you been a partner?
2: Uh, I just got a, just got a new partner uh, after the trade deadline. We uh, made some moves, so right. the the lineup switched a little bit. So yeah, i need a new partner, but it's uh, we're working really well together, and it's it's been really good.
0: What what is the ideal defensive partner for Carter Yakimchuk? Because you you can play at both ends of the ice. You're good defensively, but obviously you're putting up numbers. What's the right fit for you?
2: Uh, I think a I think a stay at home defenseman who's uh, really really solid defensively would be be the best fit for me. And that's that's kind of what I I have right now I'm in my partner. So it's like I said, it's going really well.
0: All right. Well, 47 points right now, and that's what you had last year. So. You've already matched your your totals from all of uh, your uh, second full season. And this is your third year. I mean, you played as a uh, a youngster back in 2021-22 uh, as well. Uh, and I'm wondering, you know, now with three years under your belt, how have things changed for you uh, when you approach, uh, you know, a, a, a tough series? Or, I mean, there's no surprises in the league for you anymore. You're a veteran now. Uh, and I imagine there's a certain comfort level that comes into play.
2: Yeah, from, from my sixteen year old season to now, I, I think my confidence and my game has really improved. Uh you know, being sixteen I was I was just trying to get in the lineup every night and now being in my, my third year with the team, I feel like I can, you know, help the team win and uh be a guy the coaches can go to. So I feel like I've developed a lot in the in the three years I've been here.
0: Garter Yakumchuk, yeah, my guest, the defenseman with the Calgary Hitman. I mentioned that the series coming up this weekend. Basically a home and home with the Oil Kings, but with that one game sandwiched in Lethbridge, travel schedule not really working out for you this weekend. It's a, a lot of games with travel. Unusual, isn't it? How do you handle it?
2: Yeah, the the travel is not the best, but uh, I think we're going up uh, the night early in Edmonton to get a get a good night's sleep before the game. So that's that's really going to help us. But yeah, three three really important games this weekend, so. Uh, it's going to be a really exciting weekend.
0: Well, you know uh, the Oil Kings are in last place in the conference, but still mathematically in it. You could really put a uh, a wrench into the into the works for them with uh, success against them this weekend. And you've really dominated the Oil Kings uh, this season. I know you know they were a struggling team last year, only had ten wins, but I think three of them were against you guys. It's funny how that works uh, one season or an X where you can just dominate a team like that. And I'm I'm wondering if last year you. Their record against you has played into how dominant you've been against them this year. Yeah,
2: I think I think last year we might take them a little a little too lightly, looking at their record before the game. But mm. I think this year, yeah, like you said, we you know we lost lost three three important games to them last year. And this year, we're not uh, we're not going into any game taking it taking the opponent lightly. You know, every every team in the league's you know good enough to win games, so we got to go in with the right mindset every night. <laughs>
0: Carter, the Pipeline Show is a junior in college hockey show. I, I do color for the Oil Kings, so I, I certainly know all about, uh, your club and, and, uh, have seen you play it lots of times, but there'll be some casual NHL fans who will listen to this segment, not care about the WHL at all, but want to know you, about you because you're so highly touted for the NHL draft. So for that portion of the audience that's listening right now, uh, maybe let's get some background. Uh, where are you from? Where do you, what do you call hometown? Uh, Calgary, Alberta. And do you remember how long? Uh, or when, when you first started playing hockey, like who got you into hockey at a young age?
2: Uh, m- my parents, my dad played hockey growing up. My two my two older brothers were also playing, so I kind of followed into their, their footsteps. And I think I got into the game when I was around like five years old. is probably the first time I got skates on.
0: All right, pretty normal. Uh, you're a defenseman now. Have you always been a defenseman? Did you try a forward uh, as a kid or, did, heck, even throw the pads on?
2: Uh, I was always always a D man. Never never threw the pads on. And never really was for. Just uh, always been a D man.
0: Never tried the pads ever. eh? I, I've talked to a lot of guys in the show. Sometimes when they were you know six or seven, maybe their team didn't have a full time goalie, and everybody had to take their turn. And not for you.
2: No, never never had the pads on.
0: Well, what is it about playing on the blue line that is just it just feels like the right fit for you?
2: Uh, <clears throat> I love I love playing both ends the uh, ice. I like being able to, you know, make good, good defensive plays and good stops and be able to get up and join the rush and play and So I think it's it's the perfect fit for me.
0: You're a big kid. I mean, uh, six foot three and 195 pounds, according to the WHL's website. Have you always been like one of the biggest kids in, in your class and stuff growing up?
2: Uh, I didn't. I think I was average height always. was growing up and like in Bantam, I don't think I was the, the biggest kid. But I I wasn't the smallest guy either. I was right right in the
0: middle. Take me back to the uh, the Bannon draft and what that day was like. I know uh, some guys were. Most years, uh, it, it's held in the spring, and some guys are at home. Some guys are at school trying to follow along with it. I know some years the guys have been out at different tournaments, uh, and then I think your year was 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 yours the COVID year uh, where it was in December.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I'm not sure when the draft was, but it was. We had no school, so I was I was at home watching All right. on the laptop
0: and you didn't have to wait terribly long i don't know what your expectations were going into the the event if you thought you would be taken where you were which was third round by calgary uh but uh, your thoughts uh, as that day unfolded and seeing your name come up next to calgary
2: uh it was a lot of excitement obviously being being from calgary and getting picked by them it was it was really exciting that uh one day i was gonna get to play for my hometown team so it was uh it was a really special
0: day. Some guys look forward to the draft and thinking, well, it might be the opportunity where they get to move away and have that experience. You playing at home, complete, that's completely the opposite. You get lots of friends and family, I'm sure, out to a lot of your games. But, uh, was there a part of you that was kind of wondering what that would be like to, to move out of province or maybe even out of the country?
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, a lot of, a lot of junior players have, have that opportunity to go play somewhere else, but I'm I'm super lucky and super grateful to to be able to play at home and live at home and have my my whole family come to all my games and lots of friends also come. So it's been it's been amazing so far.
0: carrie Yakimchuk, my guest, a defenseman with the Calgary hitman ranked uh, by everybody as a uh, first rounder, and I and that maybe we'll look at the draft now. A lot of guys I talked to say during the season they don't want to think about the draft. They don't want it to be a distraction. Uh, but there are other guys who tell me they'll go as far as Googling themselves, uh, Carter, to to see who's got them ranked where. Uh, What about you? How do you uh, think of the draft?
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's always in the back of my mind, you know, at the end of the year, the draft, but try not to think about it. Try and just can't really control it. So I can just, just focus on what I can control and what's ahead of me every day.
0: All right, so when Central Scouting comes out and has you sixth in North America, that doesn't excite or disappoint you. It's not like I want to be fifth or fourth or third or or anything like that. It's not a motivating thing for you. The rankings.
2: I mean, obviously, seeing seeing my name that high was was pretty cool. But it, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just uh, just a ranking. You know, can't really you know look look too much into it. It's just a mid season ranking,
0: so had the opportunity at the top prospect game. And, uh, I, I, imagine that was an exciting thing for you. Uh, a lot of guys I'm sure you, you've played with or against in the past. A lot of the WHL guys, it seems like the fellas I've had on so far this year in the draft class seem to know each other pretty well. Uh, so is that, does that make an event like that a little bit more comfortable going and, and playing against guys that you've known for a while?
2: Yeah. I mean, it definitely made it more comfortable seeing some familiar faces, you know on my team and being able to you know talk to them during the whole experience and it was going through with a guy and actually on my team Wetch was yeah. was really special too because you know we both got the experience it together
0: yeah yeah Wetch has been on the show here already this year as well for those who are listening who have never seen the hitmen play and have no idea what kind of defenseman you are can you give us a, a bit of a self-scouting report
2: yeah, I'd say I'm a two way two way defenseman that can play both sides of the puck and uh, can run run a power play.
0: Well, and the size you are, is there a physical element to your game as well?
2: Yeah, I think I I use my size pretty well. And, huh, I wouldn't say I go out there and try to lay the the big body checks, but I I think I play pretty physical in, in the D zone.
0: Uh, growing up in Calgary, I'm assuming the Flames were a uh, uh, the the team that you cheered for. I I could be wrong on that, but. Uh... Maybe you were cheering for somebody else, or maybe you're a guy who cheers for individual players more than than teams.
2: Yeah, I was uh, I was actually an Oilers fan growing up, so <laughs> living in Calgary, that was I was a little odd.
0: Well, it's the reverse. Mark Pesek, he was uh, up here for an uh, as an oil king, and grew up here and was a big Flames fan. So that's interesting. What <laughs> what drew you to the Oilers?
2: Uh, uh, my my dad was an Northern fan, and my two older brothers were also other fans, so I kind of just, just followed them into it.
0: All right, so do you lean into that now? Uh, I mean, you're sharing a building with uh, the the, the, uh, the Calgary Flames. Do you kind of have to keep that under your hat a little bit, or do you, do you like to kind of give it to everybody down there?
2: Uh, no, kind of give it to myself,
0: but,
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> uh, in the off season, what do you like to do uh, when you're not uh, training or working out for hockey? Just to unwind and relax a bit what do you what do you like to do carter?
2: Uh, I enjoy fishing in the in the summers that's something i I get up to a lot i'm not I'm not a golfer not very good at that so i I kind of get out and try and try and fish or just see some of my buddies.
0: Are you more of a uh guy who likes to fish in the rivers or or a lake fisher? I'm a lake fisher okay what what uh what do you go for uh we fish for lake pickerel and we fish up
2: in um Lakes in northern Alberta, so it's uh, oh nice. That's yeah, pretty good in the summers.
0: All right. Well, I have to ask, what's the biggest fish you've got? Uh, I I don't know if I could I
2: could tell you. I don't I don't remember. I'm not a. I don't really keep keep track of that.
0: Well, Carter, uh, I appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck this weekend and the rest of the season. Whatever happens with the uh, the Calgary Hitmen and at the draft, uh, and I hope we can chat again Monday. Thank you for do for taking the time.
2: Awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: Here's Carter Yakumchuk of the Calgary Hitmen who is having a heck of a season and uh, getting a lot of attention for the NHL draft, as you could uh, certainly understand. Uh, I think the latest ranking that I've seen for him, NHL Central Scouting has him 6th in North America. I noticed uh, both Craig Button and Bob McKenzie from TSN have him 12th. McKeens also, the latest, has him 12th. I think he's 14th at daily Faceoff. Some folks have him a little bit later. In the uh, first round, I saw Corey Pronman from The Athletic. Article I just saw today has him third overall, not just in North America, but third overall in the draft. So a lot of attention being put towards Carter Yakumchuk. And I like him. He's really mobile. He's physical. Not in the sense that he's going to put you through the boards necessarily, but he's not going to shy away from contact. Really creative and crafty with the puck and is uh, putting up numbers. What's there not to like? Really good player, and I expect he's going to be uh, really close to the top 10. Next up, an extended conversation with Michael Menzies, reporter in Bonneville, also does play-by-play for the Bonneville Pontiacs. Do we finally have some clarity on what's happening with the AJHL and the BCHL? And how did we get to this point? All of that and more to close out this week's episode. That's next, here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Hawk Beef Jerky. Soretsky, Mitchell, one-time shot scores! Ian Mitchell, this kid's been red hot here on this road trip. He's got goals in back-to-back games, and he opens the scoring here. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell, this the Grove Saints, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras.
1: And they score on the lacrosse move.
0: Jake Gensel.
1: Gensel banks it
0: towards the goal. He scores! Gail McCarr. McCarr. He scores! Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Oh,
1: my goodness
0: gracious man. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Excellent! All right, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. We're going to round out this week's episode, uh, again, looking at everything that's been happening with the uh, Alberta Junior Hockey League and the British Columbia Hockey League. And uh, to do that, we're going to get some help from the uh, voice, the voice of the Bonneville Pontiacs. uh, That's Michael Menzies. Uh, who is going to uh, kick things off with this uh, brief uh, public service announcement. The opinions
1: and views I express are that of my own and do not reflect the personal views of the Bonneville Junior-A Pontiacs. <laughs> These are the views of Michael Menzies and uh, and me also in my role as a news reporter for Lake line Connect. So.
0: All right, Michael, now that we've got that straight, uh, let's get right to it. And uh, it seems like it's been... It's what two weeks, I guess. And I think you're the first guy that I saw kind of uh, uh, breaking the news that all of this was in the works that the five teams uh, have now officially left the Alberta Junior Hockey League and now joining the BCHL effective immediately. And that's that's the newest development we've got from this whole story is that it is now official. Uh, What's your take on the last two weeks?
1: First of all, thanks for the invitation uh, to come on uh, once again. It's uh, it's a pleasure to come on and join the show. Um, you know, it's been interesting because, yeah, I've been, I guess, early to the story and been, I guess, the most active on X that I've ever been. And I've rarely given my opinion on it. I don't think I've stated my opinion much at all. Um, But to be honest, I feel like this situation has been um, extremely petty and I think that it didn't have to go this way Mm -hmm. and I I'm, I'm disappointed to see how it's gone and I don't think it reflects well on a lot of different parties and I, and I honestly believe that it could be, you know, I, I think it's a devastating blow to the AGHL. I think that it's, um, it's an interesting choice and maybe gamble um, by the five teams. I think the BCHL in a sense has been the most consistent in terms that when they originally left, you know, they challenged everybody else and said, here's the document Here's what we're going to do. Here's why we're doing it and here's why you should as well. Yep. So in a way, you know, you can't be too shocked with what they're doing. But I don't think it's been handled very well and the more I learn about it, the less I know. Mm. Um, you know, because it's so originally whatever, Friday, January 19th, I want to say. This was thick in the air. And, it, it you know, it, if it wasn't going to be me, it was going to be Jason Greger like it was. And if it wasn't him, then, you know, then it was going to be. But I believe that information was sent out there, uh, I believe, out of B.C., for not I'm not saying the league but maybe factions within the league for maybe their own purposes. And because then the teams were named I think what happened was the BCHL decided let's let's confirm it. Then what I've come to learn is I don't think all five of the teams Actually, you know, had it signed, sealed, delivered that they were going to go. Oh, I, 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 I think two or three for sure. It was their intention next season to go, and I think one or two were had conversations, but I don't think we're dead set that this was gonna that this was necessarily one hundred percent gonna be the case. Wow that's my belief. That's my opinion. Um, now why, because you get into this whole situation of what happened last Thursday, where the five teams made their first statement, you know, because their games have been canceled. The games of the five, uh, with the five, when they take on the remaining 11, those have been canceled. They make their first statement. They say, we're good, good standing members. We have not accepted terms agreed to terms. And and basically won't want to get back to playing hockey. So there's a contradiction somewhere. The AJ Dell the next day says, well, look at the contradiction here. And then in their press release also quotes what the Brooks Bandits President Paul Seaton had said that was reported in the Brooks Bulletin. Basically, and to paraphrase was,
0: well, we hadn't
1: agreed, but also the announcement was supposed to happen May first, right? So, so, you know, I think a lot of people are left, you know, scratching their heads, thinking, okay, so you know, what really is going on here? Um, and I, and I still am to some degree, but I, you know, to see, it, in a sense, the news today is a bit of a relief in terms of. Okay, now we now it's clear. Yeah, there's clarity. We've had very little clarity. Now we get some clarity. Now how, how does everybody proceed? I think that's what's good about it. But I I don't think the AJHL looks very good in this. Um, and I don't think you know necessarily the five teams go unscathed. And people, if they didn't like the BCHL before, you know, their, their, their opinions aren't going to change. So, yeah, I know that's a lot of word salad, perhaps. But, um, you know, there, there is a whole lot of ramifications of this that we haven't even, you know, started to realize, I think. We're so early in this about how this is going to shape junior hockey, uh, junior A hockey specifically in the years to come.
0: Michael, you made it clear at the start that uh, you don't work for the team and you don't work for the league. You, you're a reporter. You do the broadcast for the games, uh, but you're you're separated from the ownership of the team and, and things like that. So uh, I'm asking you this in that regard. What's the response sort of like from the grassroots? You're in Bonneville. What's, what's the feeling for Bonneville and Pontiac's fans when a third of the league just up and leaves?
1: Well, I think... There's a lot of people, you know, they'll see me. They'll be like, hey, you know, what's going on? You know, this is crazy. Is it the end of the league? You know, should will should be jumping ship? Oh, they, you know, those guys should be suspended forever. If they don't want to be here. Then leave. Mm-hmm. I've had the whole, I've heard the whole run of mill of the opinions. And it's the same opinions that are on social media. I think for the Pontiacs, I think they just wanted clarity about what was going on. But I will say that last week, a Bonneville Pontiac uh, forward, Miles Gall, decided to leave to the BCHL. I can tell you that, and, and, and that's not been a unique thing over the last couple months. And I would say the story to watch for here until February 10th, which is BCHL uh, roster uh, deadline day, is, okay, so now these five Alberta teams are in the BCHL. They're going to try and get whoever they can. They, they, they'll they be poaching as well. We've seen the likes of uh, with, with Gold, with Lucas Lemieux of Camrose, of Chaz Nixon of Drayton Valley, of Charlie Zolan of Camrose, of Dalton McGilvery, who got Delta Drum Heller and did report and went to BC, and handfuls of others, that mid-season – If your player leaves, you get not you get no compensation, and you lose a good player. How how does the HHL respond to that? Yeah. That and I don't think there's an easy solution. I don't know how you stop it. And now, you've got five teams in your backyard who have for the next nine days have the ability to call you know to try to get your players to come. So, this is and and this is the challenge. Yeah, for the next nine days, but then for the seasons going forward. So, I I think you know there's a bit of wariness about you. You know, you hope you, as an organization, communicate the values that you have, your goals as a team, and that you're able to, you know, retain the players that 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 you recruit. Um, But I I think there should be. a, a nervousness around. I think there is a nervousness around, not only for the Pontiacs, but for the remaining HHL teams that they could have some of their best. Bonneville's got 12 forwards right now. Hmm. They have 12 forwards on their roster. You know, th- th- these th- if a, if a few more players go here, yeah, these teams are not going to have, not going to be able to ice full, full rosters. They're going to have to pull up affiliates or, or what have you. So, yeah, I think that's very concerning here for the next uh nine days about and, and obviously we don't know yet about the AJHL's playoffs going forward, the schedule. That could be you know, by the time this goes out, maybe you know, an emergency edit will have to be done, who knows? Um but <laughs> there's there's a whole lot still hanging up in the air about the best way to move forward, I believe.
0: Well, if there's any sort of tension between these, the 11 remaining teams and the five that are leaving, boy, if there's going to be some hassling over uh, a recruitment of their existing players, uh, that's gonna that could get really contentious. It could be a really volatile next 10 days.
1: Well, and not only just, you know, we'll see where the five Alberta teams do, but then just all the... Um, you know, existing BCHL teams. You know, they're they're in the same boat. Right. And I mean, and then why stop? Why stop at the AJHL? I mean, if you were really crafty, why would why wouldn't you be looking at the OJHL and saying, "Hey, is there a sixteen-year-old, seventeen-year-old that we can get?" You know, to try to set things up for for years to come. You know, maybe a team that's in the middle of the pack, or maybe. Like a Spruce Grove, let's say, who was twelfth in the h h l Now they're going to be playing in this five-team situation for 20 games, and maybe not win that many games. They got to set up for next year, and and so, you know, it, it, I don't think it's just the h h l that should be concerned about this necessarily. I know it's a hell of a hike, but uh, you know, if you cut good young players. It's just something you have to be cognizant of because we, we we were seeing it here in this first year of BCHL unsanctioned, AJHL continuing status quo. So yeah, the next nine days, the off season, seasons to come afterward, going to be quite interesting.
0: What does this do to the AJHL's profile in terms of uh, looking at trying to recruit to the league? Uh, you know, every team has. You know, a couple Americans or whatever, some guys from other parts of the country, uh, potentially. But now is the AJ looked at kind of on par with the SJHL and the MJHL and no slight to those leagues, but the AJ was higher, considered to be a higher talent pool, uh, than, than those leagues previously. Does this damage the AJHL?
1: I, I don't know how it doesn't. Yeah. Um, you know, the, whether you like it or not, I think, uh, you know, <laughs> Brooks is the three time reigning national champions. I think they only have maybe three roster players that aren't Division I committed. Um, you know, and you combine that with who I think is a has a tremendous roster. If you look at Sherwood Park, who has uh you know quality, quality young players, um Black who had come in with, you know, a lot of, um, I think the, like the AJHL did, had done a good job of promoting Black Folds as a new franchise. And, yeah. You know, they, they, they were coming in new community uh, and, uh, you know, in a short amount of time because of the will and desire they had, you know, they were competitive right away. um, and Spruce Grove, who has been a long-standing power in the AJHL since they returned to Spruce Grove in two thousand four. and this is kind of an aberration for them this season, um, being where they're at. They're worse in the past twenty years. Um, but it, 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 uh, to me i I think it's perhaps the most devastating news the AJHL's received. Um, I just I, I wonder, you know, deeply, just because of the messaging, of the press releases like just it it doesn't take an angle just look at the twitter responses look at the instagram responses look at what people are saying on social media that aren't day-to-day hhl followers and it, it like you mentioned i mean if you are not familiar with the hhl and this is your first time glimpsing uh what's been going on i don't know if you're overly impressed And I'm not trying to denigrate the HHL. I I enjoy being a part of it. I you know I I am not trying to just um, say things for the sake of saying them. I'm not trying to drop hot takes. But I just I I really think the HHL is going to have to really you know take a look in the mirror and see in this off season, you know, how do we right the ship here? How do we stabilize? And how do we um, either grow into new markets again, because they're losing their two Edmonton area markets. They're losing, you know, Brooks, Okotoks, you know, and and then the newest market you create. Like, how do you, is there interest? But they, they have to solve some questions that I think are really hard to solve. And to give them the due, I don't know, what the right decision was in this whole situation. Like I said, I think, I think the news was leaked yep, and I think they were angry and I think they have a right to be angry, but I think that they, from my understanding, I think they should have talked to these teams sooner. And as time went along after initially thinking that there was no way that they could conclude the season with the five teams and potentially have, you know, a championship winner that would then be leaving right after. I think that honestly, over time, became the most sensible solution, although not an easy solution, and I don't think any solution was easy. So I'm,
2: uh,
1: I I just, I, I, I do want to see uh, the AJHL thrive. And I think a lot of people across Alberta do. I just hope that this isn't, you know, a sign, the, the first sign of bad news and what will be more bad news to come. Because I think they have to they have—they have to be honest with what's kind of out there right now and um, really take it seriously.
0: Michael, what are, what are the odds you think at the end of the season or this offseason the other 11 teams say, you know what, let's do it too? Let's let's go independent as well.
1: Well, this is, you know, you talk about rumors right now, and whether it's rumors about BC teams that are relocating to Alberta to, oh, I'm hearing that three other AJ teams might go unsanctioned, or what if the AJHL and the SJHL form a Super League, or what if, you know, like, this is all floating out there. What if Lloyd goes to the SJ? You know, there's all these things that are just floating in the air. Um, I think I think it's, you know, I, I go back to what I said before. I think that a couple of the teams that ended up leaving today, I don't think that they had made a final decision about leaving. And I think they were doing their due diligence, in a, in a sense, to explore the option. And I think teams, especially now that there's a precedent Um, and it'll be interesting to see their framework next season in terms of schedule, because the other part of this initially, as we all think about it is where are these teams getting the money from and how much more money is it going to be? If depending on different types of travel and their schedule, et cetera, et cetera. So there would need to be, you would need to really explore it about, you know, what are the, the ramifications, but with Alberta teams already in place, Um, I don't think it becomes as difficult to wrap your head around, but I do think that there are, you know, I think, I think more franchises than not are pretty uh, loyal right now with the AJHL um, and, and are not a fan of the uh, sort of unsanctioned stream that we've seen, not only in junior, but also, look around at the lower levels of hockey too and that and, and uh that increased participation that is going on there so i mean i i never it's been crazy the last couple of weeks i never expected it quite to to roll out like this i didn't know what to expect so for me to go on and, and say you know what i think going to happen next i yeah. really can't because I think, I think there's so many different possibilities and outcomes on the table and a lot of soul-searching for, for everyone involved.
0: All right, well, so now we've got 11 teams left, uh, and they're going to play out the rest of the season and the playoffs, and uh, then we'll see what happens after that. But has there been any talk of playoff structure and things? I mean, we're down to 11 teams. Do you just don't overthink it? Top eight make the playoffs, one plays eight sort of thing?
1: Well, then you would get into a situation where that more teams would miss the playoffs than under the original format right <laughs> so that's the problem with that is that a sixteen team league eliminated two teams to drop to fourteen for playoffs so i don't I don't think you can go well, we're at eleven, so now we're eliminating three right, uh, especially because. Again, we, we, we haven't even touched on like maybe half of the ramifications, but one of them is the inequitable amount of games that are being missed by different teams with the removal of the five. You know, you know, Bonnieville, uh, you know, they had a game last Friday canceled because it was against Bruce Grove. They only had two left against um, the five, whereas Canmore had, I think, at the time, nine. Fort McMurray, if nothing changes, has three games in the next 20 days and has a family day weekend road trip down south that now has multiple days off in between. And so you're talking about gate revenues that are gone. You're talking about if you've booked hotels, you know, it's much harder to get out of them necessarily and so on and so forth. So. Like, from from what I understand, the league is going to meet here soon in terms of the Board of Governors and come together. And, uh, you know, there'll be different maybe options presented and then they'll decide from there. But I I think they have to change schedule. So I don't know. All the games that were played against those five teams, what happens to them? Yeah. What happens to those games? Are they expunged from the record? Are we... You know, um, is it like like 1984 where we take out the newspaper, the old newspaper, deleted, it, never existed, you know? Or is it, um, is it like, te- they technically canceled the games in the past couple of weeks. What does that mean? Can they uncancel them and call them for, like, th- there's so many of these questions that are, you know, a- above my pay scale. And I, I think you know, if it, 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 just in terms of playoffs, I would say eliminate one, seven play ten, eight play nine, yeah. best of three, and then you go one eight or one to the lower seed, two to the lower seed, and so on and so forth. I think that to me makes sense with an eleven-team situation, um, but how they parse out, you know, the games left to be played and these holes in the schedule for these five teams, I really don't know how they're going to do it. I I think Bonneville, you know, they could very well be in a case where they will have actually played more games than other teams, whether they just say, you know, all the numbers will be the same, but, you know, those bruises don't go away, those scratches don't go away, that you actually did play them, so um, you know. I, I I hope there's clarity there. I think I think it will be uh, interesting in terms of the league and some of these smaller markets. If you look at Whitecourt, their first place, you know Whitecourt's, um, you know, and they've been to an h h l final but never won. Bonneville's 32 years. The third round is the farthest they've been, um, and a lot of these other markets, you know. You, you you could get um, possibility of a new champ who's who's never been there before, and so that that's exciting. And so uh, again, how do you want to market? How do you want to message this? How do you want to um, finish out your season? Uh, a lot of questions, not a lot of time, but I will say the BCHL sure seemed to have a plan quickly, um, because this wasn't just an announcement. The five are joining today. It's here's the schedule. Yeah, here's the twenty game schedule. And hey, they're gonna play down. We're gonna have an Alberta winner. They're gonna play the BC winner. Shish boom ba. That's what we're doing. We'll let you know the rest next year when we know. So, yeah, it's gonna be hard to like to, to coordinate, but you know, you, you got a lot of people left wondering. So, what's the answer gonna be? I am.
0: I'm very curious to find out. Yeah, it seems like the wheels have been turning there behind the scenes uh, for a while and uh, they were able to roll it. I saw their website earlier today, and it already had the uh, the schedule up on the top on their banner at the top. for.
1: Uh, it starts tomorrow. Yes. The first game's Friday. Yep. It's already happening. So, yeah, it's wild how quickly it, it it's all shook down.
0: Uh, nationally, I know that those five teams are not listed in the CJHLs like top 20 and all of that stuff anymore. Uh, will this change uh, how it's decided who will – represent the AJ probably not it'll still just be the AJHL champ right that'll eventually go to the Centennial Cup
1: yeah I mean I, yeah I don't see any reason why that would change necessarily but um, yeah AJHL winner I mean Centennial Cup's in Oakville however I guess the big question is um, who hosts Centennial Cup in 2025 uh, Okotoks had won the bid you know Bonneville had put forth a bid and, and from my understanding came close so that that's got to be determined in the near in the well semi near future as well.
0: All right, and World Junior A Challenge, you came back from uh, out in Nova Scotia with uh, basically a team HAHL winning a gold medal there. Uh, that's going to be a different feel moving forward too.
1: Well, it, it, that seems like years ago,
0: right now
1: huh, because it? It, it, well because especially with in the terms of the Pontiacs, you know their the head coach Mario Puglia. Left to take a you know pro job in uh, in Switzerland the morning of the uh, deadline day, Um, so between that between what's going on in the league, yeah, there's been a lot of going on a lot going on, but you know I think just in terms of uh, the Pontiacs in that I think they I think they've figured out a way that they can be successful. Uh, They haven't panicked and it shows, and. you know, yeah. In, in terms of who's along that World Junior Challenge team, not many of them are left in the AJHL.
0: Before I let you go, Michael, I, I, I th- I'm glad you mentioned Mario Puglia leaving. I completely uh, glossed over that. Uh, that that had to have been a shock because he wasn't he just signed to an extension.
1: Yeah. So in the off season, he had signed a two year um, a two year extension. Um, the timing was certainly surprising. Um, however, I guess the idea of him going to Switzerland was ultimately not. Um, his daughter lives there. His son in law plays on that team. Okay. He's got grandkids there. So, um, but certainly the timing, because that came about very quickly where HCCR, you know, fired their coach, were looking for a coach. And then, uh, and then, yeah, it, it did come out of the blue. And that's why, you know, the Pontiacs didn't make too many moves on deadline day. Um, You know, and talking with uh, general associate general manager, Chad Nelson, they didn't want to rock the boat too much in any direction um, with that going on. So, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise, but, but ultimately happy for Mario and for that opportunity. Um, You know, it's, uh, it's good news for him. He gets to be close to the family and uh, there wasn't, um, you Know a ton of ill will with that, but uh, but the timing, um, you know, certainly left it left a few people wondering in, in body, but what are we going to do? I think ultimately the team had been quite inconsistent this year under Mario, mm-hmm. so I didn't expect that to change to be honest, and so far it hasn't. Um, and I think maybe some of the subtle changes they're making. I I think could be to their to benefit for a playoff run, where they are currently the three seed and four points back of first.
0: So (laughs) there you go. Wow, that that seemed to change really quickly. Michael, this has been terrific. We uh, we went a long time, but it was uh, lots of worthwhile information for sure. But provided there's no more bombshells between you know over the next few weeks, uh, I'm sure uh, the next time I call you, maybe we'll be talking playoffs.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I I don't know what to expect, Gee, but I uh, I expect to be surprised. So <laughs> enjoy the chat. Thanks so much.
0: There you go. That's Michael Menzies with the latest on everything that has happened with the AJHL. Those five teams now officially part of the BCHL. What happens moving forward? Still kind of anyone's guess. Interested to hear your thoughts. Fire them off to me at. TPS underscore Guy on Twitter, or X. And unfortunately, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, As I said in the opening, uh, I've got COVID right now, so not feeling very well. Uh, Just able to get the two interviews done this week. Won't be able to do Oil King games this weekend, which I'm upset about, because it's uh, Andrew Peard's last night on Friday, as uh, the Oil Kings are hosting the Calgary Hitmen. He's moving on to a job with the Edmonton Oilers. Dave Dawson will be taking over the microphone for the remainder of this season, at least. So as much as I'm looking forward to working with Dave, uh, I will miss working with Andrew. Real great partner in the booth and uh, done a terrific job in his role with the Oil King. So wishing him the best of luck moving forward as well. A reminder, if you would like early access to all the interviews that you hear on an episode of the program, sign up to be a patron at patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. Costs a couple of bucks a month, American. About 20 bucks, 20 and a half bucks a year American if you do it on an annual basis. And you'll have access to not just the episodes of the week, but the archive. You can go back and hear episodes and individual segments from years ago. All of that available at patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. And with that, fingers crossed I'm feeling better next week so that we can talk about some junior and college hockey right here on The Pipeline Show. It's brought to you by Wilhock Beef Turkey, and my name is Keith Flaming. Until then, see ya!